Are you feeling like society is looking at you differently because you're aging? Well, this episode is for you because it's going to help you to get fired up and be ready to shift. You're listening to the Dynamic Women podcast. Each week, you'll be inspired by our global community of women. They'll share with you tools and stories to help you be dynamic in every area of life. He's your host, award-winning coach, and the CEO and founder of Dynamic Women, Diane Ralston. Hello, lovely Dynamic Women. Welcome to the Dynamic Women podcast. I am Diane Ralston, your host. And today we have, I, I want to call you a legend if I can, uh, <laughs> Linda Edgecombe. Welcome, Linda. It's great to be here. <laughs> Did that throw you off there? Called you a legend? <laughs> no, that's that's definitely when you're a legend, you know you've been around a long time. <laughs> well, I don't mean it that way. It's more so I know you don't. You know, when I get into speaking and I, I joined CAPS and I knew that you were part of the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers as well. By that point, I'd already seen you speak a bunch of times and loved you. But let me tell the audience why they're probably going to love you too. So Linda Edgecombe is a CSP Hall of Fame speaker, award-winning philanthropist. She's an award-winning celebrity humorist speaker, trainer, and consultant. For the past 30 years, Linda's footprint is seen and experienced around the world. Her mission is to get people fired up and ready to shift or get off the pot. She's included in the top 60 motivational speakers in the world, and her messages are as welcome as a deep belly laugh and as profound as an honest look in the mirror. And since she believes a day without laughing is a day wasted, this is going to be a fun time. (laughs) It's going to be a fun time or I'm going to (laughs) quit. Yeah, so just to recap and make sure everybody knows, this episode is called Aging Wildly in a World that Wants You to Calm the F Down. Love it. I love that title. It's I, great. I, I do too. That's why I was like, let's go with that today. So tell us a little bit, Linda, just like, first of all, what pushed you to have a title like that? Aging wildly. You know, well, as a, as a woman who is 62 right now, most of my life, A, I'm a very opinionated person, have always been. I also have a very wonky sense of humor, which I sometimes use to, to deflect, as a lot of people do as well. And I've used it to, well, it's really boosted my career for sure. But because I have opinions and because I have a strong feminist look at the view at the, of the world, and I've been told to, I've been shushed so many times in my life uh, yeah. that... You know, and as I've aged, my voice has gotten louder. Uh, my opinions have gotten stronger. Yeah. And, you know, the, I don't have much of a filter. So I'll try to keep my a part of my filter on because I do cuss a lot. But I'll, I'll not do that today. But, so I've just, I, I react without even thinking, especially if someone, if someone says, and he, I go, and she. Like, I just, I have no, I just, I go automatically to that. So I'm tired of being shushed. I'm tired of be tired to be t- t- yeah. told to calm down. I mean, and as women, we have been socialized and raised that good women who are feminine, because I've been told I'm pretty masculine and I run a lot of masculine energy, that we keep our mouth shut and let the men do the talking. And as a female in our business, yeah. professional speaking, you know, I've been told by meeting planners all across the globe that most audiences. Maybe it's, it's started to change probably in the last 10 years, but most audiences prefer to hear the opinions of a man over a woman. And so that also fires me up. <laughs> <laughs> a 
I'll be honest with you, it ticks you off. And Gloria Steinem, who I, you know, when I became a feminist, when I literally became a card carrying Gloria Steinem feminist, you know, her favorite quote, uh, the truth will set you free, but first it's going to piss you off is, um, mm. is a big part of a, what I even speak about, because I do want, I do, as a speaker, I do want my audiences to get triggered a bit. And I say that. And, um, and I said this when we had, when I, when I was in front of the CAPS group speaking that our treasures are in our triggers. We just have to not just respond with a, a judgment and try to keep in a curiosity mindset. Yes. So when we get triggered, just go, Hmm, why did that just trigger me? Yeah. And soften, so it softens us a bit without me just coming like normal, barreling back with some statistic. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, you mentioned feminism, being a feminist. Why did you become a feminist? And you told me it, it happened in 1976, very specifically. Yes. So why, how, what happened then? I, I was in grade 11, uh, I was 16, and oh. uh, I was in biology. Mr. Bentley's class in Edmonton and some grade 12s came into my classroom and said, Hey, we're doing a, we're doing a blood bank down to the gym. Does anybody want to donate blood? And I said, yeah, sure. And they go, Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Only the boys can, because then at 16 boys were considered adults and girls were not considered adults until they were 18. And I went, well, that makes no sense to me. And my very smart biology teacher took the whole hour. We didn't do any biology. He just talked about the history of women's rights. And we were just starting to kind of get fired up. And, you know, Gloria was main stage at that point, um, back when bras were being burned, blah, blah, blah. And I literally just, my brain just clicked because I thought to myself, I can get my head around this. Mm -hmm. It totally shifted me in the moment. So there's, you know, we only have a few moments in our lives where it just literally sends you off on a trajectory. This, that was the moment that it did for me. I never got to do any blood until I was 18, but I just really got, to be honest with you, I got pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you get pissed off, it fires you up. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a choice at that point to do, to complain about it and get mad about it or to actually do something about it. So would you say to be honest with you, I thought for sure, because I was only 16 at the time, we're changing this. And unfortunately, a bit has changed, but not enough. It's just that that's 40. How old am I? I can't do the math. 40 (laughs) plus 45 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And we're still anyway. So I love the title. I like I told you earlier, I want to write a book on it because I just. There's a lot of there's a lot of sort of terms out there. I saw one recently, you know, um, aging, aging, not quietly, aging gracefully, gracefully, aging gracefully. Yeah, yeah, not for me. Sweet that we're supposed to do. Yeah, I I do want to be that you know that that lady that goes when when my time comes up. I want to be raced into the sliding in on my in my red boots and you know. (laughs) Well, let's look back to where, because you entered into probably um, at the at the time, even now still it is a lot, but a male dominated industry of motivational speaking, yeah. uh, especially when at the time, like 30 years ago, again, women weren't, their opinions weren't honored as, uh, as much as a man's opinion. So how did you get into the business of motivational mm-hmm. speaking? I was my last job job. I worked for Participation. And if you're Canadian listening to this, oh, participation, yeah. yeah, I was a consultant for Participation because I went to university, you know, in recreation and kinesiology and all the things. And in that job I had, which I loved, 
um, I ran, I ran, I wrote, I drove around Southeastern British Columbia. That was my territory giving presentations on healthy communities, healthy people, bringing people together, having conversations that were, you know, sort of with a wellness overall. Yeah. Theme. And, um, you know, to the chamber of commerces or the rotaries or the, whoever would listen, the schools. And I had a, a gentleman from BC Hydro, to be honest with you, called me one day and he says, Linda, I saw you at this thing that happened in Kelowna. I'd love to bring you in to speak. We're having a wellness day. I'd love to bring you in to speak for our staff. He goes, um, I said, oh, that's awesome. Because I'd only spoke for maybe 10 minutes at this point. Yeah. Right. The rah-rah at a meeting. And uh, he says, um, I said, how long? He goes, an hour. And in my brain, I'm like, what the heck am I going to talk about for? I have no idea how I'm going to fill an hour. Yeah. And he says, uh, what's your fees? And I said, uh, but I didn't say this to him. But in my brain, I'm going, okay, um, I'm making $25 an hour. So I said, 25 bucks. And he says, that's awesome. I had no, <laughs> no clue. But I thought I was savvy enough because I did negotiate a bit of gas money because it was in Vernon and I had to drive the 45 minutes to get to Vernon. Yeah. So I got 25 bucks plus 10 bucks for gas. And he said, you know what? We're having lunch before you go on. Why don't you join us for lunch? I thought, wow, isn't that great? Lunch. <laughs> so basically, yeah. So hundreds and thousands of free lunches since then. But what I thought to myself at the time when I was creating the 10 minutes of content I knew to talk about yeah. is that if I keep them laughing throughout the hour, it won't really matter what I say. Because if I yeah. I love to laugh, I love and I am passionate about making people laugh. As I've and so BC, basically BC Hydro then brought me into every community they had an office in over the next probably six, eight months. Uh-huh. And yeah, so I literally, then I was scrambling, but this is literally no computers. I did have a fax machine and I had a typewriter and a phone that was attached to the wall. Yeah. So that, because basically in the speaking industry, like uh, for sure, 90% of my business comes from referral referrals. And so it just, you know, at a pace that was just easy to maintain, it just started to grow. And what I've noticed or learned over the years is that if I, even if, cause I, I, I bring up topics, I, I'm big about leaning into the mirror. That's like, I like to say that, that we all need to, if we really want to become our best selves, we need to lean into the mirror and it's not easy to do that. The, cause the, the truth of ourselves is not always beautiful and sometimes it hurts, but if we do lean into the mirror, we tend to have a transition to out the other side where. I mean, it's it's remarkable. I've leaned into the mirror many times. I know when it's, I'm doing it right now, to be honest with you. I'm transitioning through a process of A, my age, my content, am I relevant? How, all the things yeah. that you yeah. question, regardless of what business we're in. And so I, I, w- I want people to lean in. I want them to actually get real with yeah. themselves. Also yeah. not always easy. And I really want them to start anything. That's literally through a process of a bit of self-discovery in my presentations, I wrap everything in humor. And when you do that, A, people, I always say, I know your bums are in the seats. I want your heads to stay in the room. And mm-hmm. if I can keep them laughing, they'll stay in the room with me and will actually maintain and retain the, whatever info sparks them. Yeah. So is that how you, like, how do you feel the humor has really served you as a speaker? Yes, the audience wants to stay there. But how have you also brought that into your writing? Oh, humorous. It's it's tougher in writing, but I think my voice, like I write, you know, my own stuff, and so yeah, yeah your my voice comes through that. Uh, I I tell I've made a living off of embarrassing myself. <sighs> like it's a mandate for me. I have to embarrass. Like I, I don't. I I have pushed the envelope of content right to the edge. 
I never, well, I've once in a while I've stepped over the edge and then I have to totally retract. And, but I've learned how to, as one pastor said to me one time, you know, what, can you tell me anything just so I don't step in it? <laughs> so when I realize I've stepped in it, I have to call myself on it while I'm on stage. And that's, that's a technique oh. that works really, really well for me. It allows me to push the envelope. But so when other colleagues of ours yeah. say, um, ask me, you know, about humor, or whatever I said, you just have to be brave enough to yeah. push if you want to push it, but that's, that's a risk and not everybody's comfortable taking a bit of risk. Hmm, but it, we have to do that. And I've actually, I, I don't know if you know, I've been taking stand up comedy classes. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's, yeah. I have two shows coming up though. So I have to figure it out. And um, it's definitely having me push because I have this, I'm professional and I'm put together and then I can be a bit crass on the other side with the jokes. And you're very candid in your talks over the years. I've seen different ones from you and you, you are candid about the different ways you're feeling and being, but also about your mental health journey. Yeah. Um, what has led you to be so open about this? Because a lot of times with mental, mental illness or mental health issues, people hide, hold it in. Well, I have to say that, yes, and thank you for, I, I have been very candid. <laughs> My therapist would say I'm not candid enough. <laughs> Wow. I know. And and what, what would you share if they're like, what would be pushing to the next? Like what everybody feels. So if, you know, so I was the kid in my family that was good at everything, was great at sports so that it appeared that our family was just rocking it. Yeah. That we had it together yeah. and wasn't the case, but because I knew that if I did that, there was this, I was hiding, you know, the dark, the dark, dark stuff of myself. And everybody has dark, dark. Yes. I have a lot. I have a great highlight reel. I have a great low light reel. And I'm okay with knowing that. What I've found, A, I never bring anything to the stage that I haven't already worked through. Yes. So this, so this lean in that I'm in the middle of right now, I won't talk about that until maybe, well, when I feel like I've gone, yeah. I've really kind so of come up the other side of it. Of yeah. it. Yeah. But for me, if I can say it in a way that I know where I've, fall in or where I've unraveled um then what it does in the audience for my audience participants they gives them permission to be okay with their own journey mm -hmm. and um see I'm getting a little choked up whoa that wasn't expected Ooh. yeah wow so I really I really want to give my audiences permission to take their life back yeah 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 I, I love I love the realness of you right now in the way that what you do really matters right? It really matters. And this is the, the resonance that I hope all of you listeners get into where you care so much about what you're doing. And you're in such resonance and energy in that like soul gratifying space that you know what you do matters, that you have this moment like Linda's having where it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah this, this is important. So Maria, my therapist, and I've had various therapists over the years. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. she's amazing. I, the best I've ever had. What she holds me accountable to do, because I'm really good at deflection, is that when that just hit me, and I, I, I looked down at a piece of paper, so I wouldn't actually go into really what's going on there. She would have asked, she would have walked me through what was going on there, yeah. where yeah. what I was really thinking about. But I, what she's taught me is I just stayed quiet to feel it. Yeah. 
versus I could have really got in there and I could have said something funny to cut that off. And I didn't. So something's working. (laughs) Yeah. And, and listeners, I think that the two key things that you have to learn from a, a master in speaking is on the humor side, push the envelope, push it just that little bit further. And then in being candid about your own life, do it when you've moved through it. Yep. Yep. So the two sides of things. Nice. You know, I really, really believe that our experience, sometimes I say the experiment, but our experience with COVID on the plus side has given us the opportunity to talk about it more. Oh, yes. Because so many people struggled through the last three years mentally, um, yep. emotionally, yep. Um, physically, we just got stagnant. And I really appreciate the opportunity from stage to be able to say, you know what, I have turtled so much. Turtling has become my uh, go-to when I'm feeling overwhelmed. Mm. And what, what Maria's told me, she goes, you know, this is, so I, I've withdrawn. I don't, I have, I've lost a bit of spark. I've lost uh, some of my courage. Yes. And, and it's my goal that I'm going to push the courage and spark button as much as I possibly can over the next year mm-hmm. on myself. But I know I'm not the only one. And so I like the opportunity of saying that yeah. to an audience. And so that people again can go, okay, me too. I can do that too. Uh, but what but, but Maria actually says to me, she goes, okay, if you're going to turtle, you have to put a time limit on it. Mm, yeah. She goes 20 minutes. So if you're going to go lay in bed and retract and avoid Great. No problem. Do whatever you want. Want to watch part Netflix 20 minutes and then get back at it so that you don't just totally retract and stay retracted. Yeah. Cause it's that, hard to get out. That advice. <laughs> yes. And that advice has been, it gives me permission to do it without guilt. Yeah. And then I go, okay, get your crap together, Linda. Let's get back in front of your computer. Yeah. Get back to it. So you're honoring it, but then you're moving through it. Yeah. And beyond. And, and then I find the action that you do take helps you to feel better. So it's also energy. So if you have these beautiful women listening to this podcast, every time I look at my business and think, Oh gosh, I wish I had more of this, or I wish I had better that or what, whatever. When I come back and add some energy, not just to picking up the phone and looking for a sale, but add energy. That's uh, whether it's clean up my desk, whether it's reach out to a few people, uh, that energy, it's like it's it's yeah. like magic, but it's not. That energy creates energy, and it's like yeah. then it's like magic. Then the phone starts ringing. Then the it happens every time. Uh, every wow. January for thirty years, I'm looking at my calendar. Some years zero on the books, a lot of years zero on the books, and some years a few on the books, and some years lots on the books. But when I get down to it, first couple of weeks of January, and I reach out to a few people, it the phone starts ringing again. So retract, put a time limit on it. And then get back to some putting some energy into what it is that you are yeah. going into. Yeah. So you dealt with going into the speaking industry with sexism. Oh, totally. My God. Then. <laughs> if you want to, I will share with you my experience of uh, being on our national board a couple of times. And, uh, but, you know, it's, it's not everybody's favorite topic. And believe me, lots of people in our, our industry that are colleagues today I pushed a lot of buttons yeah because it was so sexist yeah and um like I can I can I say can I, I'll just say it so when my first time I was on the board yeah. and I'd gone to a, a CAPS meeting at, or the national conference 
they have the Hall of Fame. I don't know anything. I didn't even know what the Hall of Fame was, but they have the Hall of Fame. And up to that point, everyone on the panel, on the Hall of, in the Hall of Fame were men. Yeah. So what I said the next morning, we had our board meeting. I said, you know what? I'm making it a goal. I was, I was probably, I was probably eight years in, to, in my business. And, you know, I thought I was all that in a bag of chips at the time. My ego was, you know, and you're never that. I, I, I learned that every year when I go, but I said, I really, I'm going to make it a goal of mine. I made an announcement. I, I really want to, I want to go after being a member of the hall of fame. I said, because, but what's the criteria? And I said, cause I can't, there's, they didn't say what the, now they say the criteria, because what I can tell what the criteria is you have to be a guy and you have to be from East of Winnipeg. <laughs> and it was crickets. It was crickets. So that was my first step into ticking off the men pushing the boundaries yeah so i've been that that i've been a pest in that department for a long time to be honest with you and and you know what someone's got to step up and say something sometimes the obvious yes Yes. so in in aging wildly in a world that wants you to calm down or be quiet or you know i just said no buck stops here yeah i got nothing to lose Hmm. well it's it's served you well Yes. Uh, you've been in the industry for over 30 years. You've had a lot of success. You said you get 60% plus of your bookings come through referrals. Yeah. So it's, uh, you've done the work and you've earned it, but what's been the secret sauce to keep you going? Because a lot of people like it's, it's not an easy industry. You can come no. in and be chewed up and spit right back out. So how did you, yeah. how have you been able to last and still be performing well? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. I would say, without a doubt, what's kept me in the business is I, I, that I am humorous that, you know, I, and I've gotten way more serious in my content. Like I dive deeper. I, I want to, I want to shake people up, but I, because I have the skill set now of wrapping everything that's with, with some fun and funny and they laugh, even though it's sometimes heartbreaking, the, the content. I've maintained relationships with people like I, I've never wanted to be a high maintenance. This is, this is my judgment. I never <laughs> wanted to be a high maintenance person. Speaker because, person. Yes. Yes. A speaker with needs that are a little bit too much. In my opinion, again, it's my judgment. Yes. Uh, so I've been a great person to work with. Mm. And the only high maintenance part of me as a speaker is my 10 minutes just before I go on stage my sound, my slides, my, all my AV has to be totally in place. And then everything, I just let it go. So I make sure that's in place, lighting, sound, and my, and my technology. And then I got no complaints. Yeah. And so being easy to work with, I think is something I touch base with, especially my ongoing bureaus that continuously work with me. And you know, it's not even a bureau that works with you, by the way, if you're a speaker listening to this, it's a person in the bureau that works with you. Because yeah. most bureaus are, especially the bigger ones, have many, many, many staff and many, many salespeople that work. I yeah. have relationships with people within a bureau. It's not really the bureau, the yeah. whole bureau. Yeah. yeah, that's that's where you maintain relationships. Huh. Well, with, with and my- also one more thing, and consistently bring back phenomenal feedback. Ah, key, key, key. and that's the humor and that's you relating to your audience. Yeah. So I was recently just speaking because I asked my bureau. So why is it you, you, a couple of people in my bureaus, 
why is it uh, you keep booking me or putting my name forward? Like, what are you, how are you selling me? I wanted to figure it out. Yeah. And um, she's, Marty said to me, she goes, well, I sell you when people want content, but they want to be, it's like probably 50%. You, you have a, you have a message, but you are very entertaining. Yeah. Not just full on comedian. Yes. But you, you have, you have a message that's resonating with them. And so then yeah. the goal of my, for whatever business you're in, my goal is to then to create content that will help their staff or members, you know, shine better. And um, so I know that humorous has been secret sauce for me. Yeah. And my other secret sauce, which I'll talk about at the national conference is knowing how to call yourself out when you've that's probably screwed when you mess up. Hmm. Um, yeah, I learned that actually. I learned that from at an NSA conference many, many, many years ago. Amanda Gore. That's who I that's where I learned that technique. Because she talked about some uncomfortable topics. And she says, This is how I talk about uncomfortable topics. Is that you just call yourself out. You can see it on their faces anyway. You can see when they're like, <laughs> if I've said something that's a little push. And I say, oh, I can oh, I can tell I've just um <laughs> ticked off few people <laughs> yeah well I'm and that's where I'm where I'm finding with the stand-up comedy is uh, like every topic is coming forward for me and it's and then I'm like oh okay that's cool I'm just telling that very personal thing to the whole audience but for some reason it just I don't feel the sting of it at all I'm just like whatever it's a joke but it's but it's real <laughs> it's yeah. real now yeah. let's switch to the actual audience that you speak to yeah you have a favorite type of audience? Oh, yeah. People that like to laugh, but is there a specific one? Nurses is for sure number one, and then anyone in healthcare, because it's not all nurses in healthcare. Because nurses, anybody in healthcare these days, well, it has been for forever, right? It's just massively amplified right now. Yeah. They have a, they have great sense of humor. They have dark senses of humor because that's how they survive the days that they are yeah. dealing with everything from birth to death and everything in between. And, but they, so the first time I spoke at a nurse's conference, it was emergency room nurses, which is, which are even wonkier because they see the crazy every day. Like it, there's a comedy show, just a nurse should be a comedian. Yeah. Um, but I asked her, I always ask my audience, so how, le how left of center can I take my humor? Cause I want to see how conservative they are. You know, yeah. and you ask, I always ask how Good conservative question. you yeah. And uh, so she says, Linda, you go so far left that you're right. I said, okay. She <laughs> go goes, all the way back around. <laughs> let her rip. So Good. technique that I use now on stage is I get up on stage and I usually will, as I can say, I lob one out there. And if I see the audience laughs, like I even call them, I say, okay, that was about a 70% laugh at that joke. Now I'm now in my head, I'm wondering, should I pull back? Or should I just keep going with the humor? So you guys have to, I literally ask them for permission and they never say, no, be boring. Yeah. <laughs> I just, like, so they just give me permission. They say, bring it. Bring it. Huh. So it's just a technique to get permission to be how I want to be anyway. I love that. I love And I do that. it very quickly. Yes. Yeah. In the presentation. Oh. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. The getting permission part, I think is important. And it, when someone gives you permission, then you, you said I could. So yeah. So it makes me think listeners, like what in your business do you maybe want to ask permission for from your clients, from your vendors, or even in your family? Like, where do you want to ask permission? Uh, speaking no, of I mean, family, oh, go ahead. 
I was going to say, let's say you're in retail of, of something, you're selling some some product and you, maybe you get permission. I'm thinking about this idea of bringing this in. What do you think? That's permission. That's also research, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm yeah. thinking about having crazy Thursdays, uh, whatever. <laughs> what, what do you think? You know, getting, getting it. Yeah. Yeah. It's all information. That's all it Ask is. Ask before just- you put all the work in and, and mess it up. <laughs> so you dealt with sexism then you were a mom in while you were working family and speakers if people don't know we have to travel sometimes very long distances for work and we're away multiple days I'd love to hear what that was like for you and I I just want to share I don't know how many times the comment back to me when I go someplace in in what we could say this day and age right was well, what about your, what about your kids? And I was like, well, I have a husband. They have a, they have a father. Oh, how's, how's he going to be able to take care of them? Cause he's their dad, right? <laughs> That's my response to meals and do laundry before you go. Like that must be hard. Like people checking in on him. I'm like, what the hell? Like he could do this. But anyway, what was it like for you, especially in the time that you were doing this? Well, same, same as what you just described. So really? I was speaking before I had babies in my. I had. I was speaking before I had babies in my tummy. So my husband kind of, my opinion of he's believe me. He wished he had a second wife for a lot of it. <laughs> so someone right, but I go. You knew what you're getting into. <laughs> yeah, I brought my kids literally to everything and their babies because they're free on the plane until they're two. So they travel with me up until they're two when it cost me a seat. I know I would bring a baby. <laughs> I bring a baby to the side of the stage because my kids were just the kind of kids that they were, they were, they would be there. They're easy. And, but you'd see the look on some women's faces going, Oh my God, um, there's a child baby here. Cause they, they they came to this luncheon, let's say to get away themselves and to have me be with other women and network and whatever. But I knew that that baby was never going to mess up or whatever until I had my second baby and I had, she was two weeks late and I had a booking five days after she was born. So I took her. Now I also brought my girlfriend and like a five day old baby. I'm on stage delivering the presentation. And what I, I didn't do before I went on stage is I didn't top her up. I needed to nurse her more than I had done. So she starts the infant cry, which is a very different than a yes. it's, it's yeah. really infant cry. And I look over at my girlfriend who's holding her um, because she was really fussing and fussing. And I said, okay, group. And that's probably three quarters of the way through the presentation. So I have already earned the right with them. They've, I've already made them laugh. They already have a bit of a relationship with me. I said, I can either put her on (laughs) or I have to wrap it up here. And so uh, I said, just give me, I I didn't do it in front of them. I went and got her, put a blanket off stage, blah, blah, brought her back on stage. She was under my little blanket. I sort of leaned on a little stool and, and um, literally after after that, people were walking down the halls. It was at the Jasper Park Lodge. People were walking down the halls going, oh, there's the breastfeeding speaker. Oh, there's the breastfeeding speaker. And I also wrapped up this particular co- convention and um, and the, the room just was packed. And I go, nope, they're not coming out this time. <laughs> but I've had other speakers tell that story. So I've told that story on stages before, mo- mostly because back in the day, 
when it was an extremely male-dominated industry, I was at a CAPS meeting and one of the speakers that day said, they, were, they think they were talking about difficult situations. They go, and one guy, one gentleman said, he's still a member. He goes, oh my gosh, I was at a, a convention and the woman in the front row was breastfeeding. I'm thinking, oh, for God's sake. I mean, she didn't have her breasts out. She just yeah. was breastfeeding her child. Anyway, I so I thought, what the hell? I... But I wouldn't tell any of my our cast members for the longest time. Wow. I, I kept that a secret for the longest time because I just didn't want the judgment. You don't want to yeah. be known for that. You want to be known for your your great speech that you delivered. Yeah. Not the fact that you had a, a baby on your boob. But so I became, as the girls got older, yes, I had nannies. Someone had to get them to school. Kevin, my husband, runs a big company. And um, yes, he was there every night, of course, doing doing the thing. And I definitely had some guilt of being a mom that's on the road, you know, and had lots of judgment about that. But I became a beanie baby mummy. So the airports know when you're (laughs) a guilt-ridden parent that travels. I bought so many beanie babies that I had to make holders that they hung on their, I mean, so many beanie babies. And I wanted to do a workshop. This is the last time we had, at the same hotel we're going to this year's CAPS convention, I organized a breakout session on what's it like being a parent who travels. And I had a few men and a few ladies who were also sort of, I wanted to talk about women in the industry and what it's like being a woman with children and how do we handle that? So anyways, I also brought my oldest daughter, Chloe, who was 16 at the time. That's a lovely age. Anyway. (laughs) And um, so she was part of the panel and we talked about, you know, whatever. Difficult to travel, blah, blah, blah. And at the very end, Chloe stands up. She goes, okay, everybody, just calm down. She says, um, you know, yeah, my mom's been on the road. She's um, um, she's a great, she's influenced us as her daughters immensely. We're fine. <laughs> we're, we're doing just, we're doing great. And uh, so it was just so great that she said that to them and to me. Yeah. yeah. Don't panic. But men get very different. Like when Kevin was be taking care of the kids, they're going, oh my gosh, Kevin's amazing. I'm going, you know, he travels too, but when he travels, I'm not getting, oh my gosh, Linda's amazing. Because yeah. you're just doing your job. You're doing what you were built to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk about your charity. And then I want to jump into just what you can tell fellow, and I put quotes around it, aging gracefully women yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of your tips for them and your tips for like I'm I'm considered middle-aged now and I'm noticing not just changes in myself but changes in how, how society deals with me so I yeah. want to jump into that after we talk about your charity because this yeah. is this is amazing so uh to, you so, just just tell us right about all of sure. that my charity is called her international it used to be called I win it's I don't know why we changed the name to her international so my girlfriend is a teacher. She's now retired. She was working in Nepal with teaching and doing some training or whatever. And she said, Linda, so many girls in Nepal, but in lots of countries around the, the globe, including our own, get trafficked. Yes. And we're talking girls, you know, that get um, sold into bonded labor or the sex trade or between the ages of, hate to say this, six yeah. and 12, because after 12, the, the family tends to marry them off but then they become the the help of the the boys the boys family and she says but you're in front of audiences all the time if i give you some scars from nepal and you sell them maybe we can raise two three hundred dollars and we can buy a few of these girls out or prevent them from getting into it because some of the girls come home and some of the girls don't come home 
And uh, I said, sure. So I took a bag of scarves that she brought home one day and uh, off to an event I was in Ontario for the first one I ever sold, told a little bit of the story. That's all it is, a teeny bit of the story. I tell more of the story now when I present, but, and um, boom, everything on my table was gone. I went, whoa, that was a press, that was easy button. So ever since then, that's 15 years ago, I have literally sold hundreds and hundreds of thousands of scarves and we've rescued thousands and thousands of girls and multiply the the mums groups we've started the vocational centers we've built the classrooms we've built the washrooms we've built um the computer labs we've opened i mean i always say when you think you can't have impact on a small slice of the planet i call it choosing a slice of the planet you absolutely can but i'll you know it's it's just been something that has grown and grown and, and it shifted completely i'll be honest with you when my husband i he came to nepal with me because he bought me a ticket. I thought, oh, I don't think I can go by myself. I'm too nervous. And I bought him a ticket. And then he was like, oh, and he's a builder. So he he said, we can do something here with these classrooms because we, we were rescuing so many girls at the time. The classrooms are so overcrowded and they're so tiny. And soon as, and he's got a great, he's a, you know, he's a linear thinker. He's a great leader. He So he he just, drew, he's, he's driven our charity in a completely different direction that's been amazing that I would never. So I'm happy to be the scarf lady. That's what I'm known for. I'm the scarf lady. Yep. But the, and so since since then, we've we've expanded into Canada, of course, and uh, we're still going strong in Nepal, just working with marginalized women and girls, because that's what fires me up. And um, and I, I can tell when I speak, when I get to this part of the of, you know, I call it contribution or choosing a slice of the planet, because it is really so important for all of us, no matter what business you're in, listening to this, that we give back somewhere, somehow. For no other reason that you'll never get repaid for that in itself will a make people more attracted to your business and you and it changes you as a person it could, doesn't have to be the slice like i chose it could be right outside your door it could be in your community it could be across the globe there's lots of places mm-hmm. to choose a slice and when, when i do I, I talk about this stuff in my audiences it gets really quiet real quick and the comments that come back <laughs> is like they really want to know more about the charity they want to find out more about charity yes. and i make a joke because i have to cut, you know cut i show i talk about the store the kids the girls and i say so the truth is i'm not really a motivational speaker i'm a scarf saleswoman with a long sales process <laughs> and they laugh and then they come buy a scarf <laughs> yes. and and i'm guessing my listeners too are going to be like yeah well what was that name of that and how do i get a scarf and how do i support this so we'll make sure that what we share the link um yeah. For more information and so it's on my site under about linda you know social responsibility yeah i'm sure that that is there now you also have a gift for our audience yes if you'd like if you if you'd like a copy of my latest book breaking busy finding peace in the chaos it's down it's downloadable right off my site so if you just go to my homepage and it's just lindaedgecomb.com or as my dad would say googler he also says that i have more party i'm going to swear here he says he says because there's hundreds of thousands of things that come up, right? Yeah. Uh, he says, you got more shit than Shinola, Linda. <laughs> but he also says, how do I find you on the WW? So I called the WW. Yeah. Um, anyways, on my homepage, at the very bottom of the page, awesome. click on it. It'll give you options of which format you want to download it. It's an e-copy, e, you know, electronic copy of the book, whether you want it on your Kindle or whatever format. And it's there. Yeah, there's okay. other resources as well. There's I've got a, a really great personal because it's this time of, well for us it's this time of year where we're looking at make setting goals and I've got a personal audit that's quite robust 
mm. that you can just go down through all the parts of you and make some decisions on what parts do I want to put some energy towards. And mm. I also have a workplace audit that you could, if you have a team, yeah. uh, whether it's a big team or a small team, that everybody in your staff could do a, this audit. And it's a, I call that a launch pad for you to have a conversation about what do we want to work on as a team in our work moving forward. It starts the conversation. Great. So many amazing resources. Yeah. We'll make sure the link also is in the notes so that people can access that really easily. Uh, So let's kind of close on the, what's the message to these women, these women who are told to age gracefully, told to calm the F down and they're facing ageism everywhere they look. Well, first of all, make a decision. Hmm. And the majority of us don't make a lot of decisions because that's one thing that we never really were taught how to make decisions. And so if you're not great at making decisions, and I have a few sisters that don't like making decisions, so they yeah. they hover. And so if you're a woman who, whatever age you are, make a decision, you want to make a slight change. So just make a decision and yeah. start if you need if you need practice making decisions, start with some easy decisions. What do I want for supper? Make a decision. What movie do I want to watch? Make that decision. What do you want to watch? Oh, no, just make the decision. Okay, yeah. It's really important that you lean in and take an honest look. What's working for you? What's not working for you? If you need to, and when you can get kind of grounded in the what's, be honest with yourself, what's working, what's not working, then you can make the decision. What do I want to work on? Mm. And that's work. And it's not always comfortable. And sometimes it hurts. Um, so lean into the mirror. That's what I call it. Lean in um, and be real. Like just lay it out there. It's funny. I look at all my journals. I've got so many journals going all the time. I The, the stuff I'm working on, I've been working on my entire adult life. Yeah. <laughs> Is I write down the same things? It's anyway. And the truth is majority of the planet doesn't start anything. So we stay right here. It's called a flat line. It's not bad, but it's not great. We change nothing. So if I could shake you, I would say, start anything, you know, start with your desk, start with your purse, start with your car. Um, Because clarity needs space. You need to create spaces for ideas to land. And Mm -hmm. so we need to declutter lots of parts of us physically, mentally, emotionally, get stuff off the plate. So that the beautiful ideas and the energy that it takes to step into doing something slightly different, just, I I literally mean, just move on anything, tie your shoes on. If it's, if you need to move your body more, tie your shoes on right now and walk out the flipping door. And even if you only have 10 minutes in the tank, go 10 minutes out, 10 minutes back. It's okay. It's 10 and make, make it 15 next time, whatever, just start anything. That's the action piece so that we don't just hover. And then it's, 50 and then I'm 60 and then I'm 70. Yes. So, you know, be gentle, but in, be, be graceful with yourself, be kind to you. But if it's your voice and your opinions that you've been harboring and holding, well, that's a lot of weight to carry around because what builds then is resent and anger, you know, and believe me, when I started getting like angry, like not, not a great Linda, Linda look, um, <laughs> because I wasn't, I wasn't at the time mentally capable of having a real respectful, difficult conversation with whatever, whoever what, that I needed to do that. Yeah. Right. That's what I'd say. Lean into the mirror, be real with yourself and just move 
move, you know, move the dial slightly for oh, yourself. Wow. Take some action. Amazing. Well, this has been such a joy, Linda. Uh, we could continue. I have so many more questions I could ask you, but we're going to wrap it up here. Maybe this is a part one for another day so that when you do pop out of whatever you're in right now, we can kind of hear about the other side and, and, yep. what, and what you were in. So I appreciate not only you being here, but the work that you do in the world, all your philanthropic work that you do, um, supporting women, uh, as you know, based on on a laser session I had at our last CAPS group, uh, is really big on my heart as well. So I thank you for the work that you're doing. It's really important. Uh, listeners, if you don't have something that you're kind of putting your stamp on and that you're passionate about and you're getting involved with, uh, maybe Linda's charity is the one for you to, to kind of jump in and support that. Uh, or it volunteers to Nepal once a year. So oh, if, that, if that's kind of been on your brain, if you ever wanted to amazing. hike up to base camp Everest, we do that when we go to, we do the work and then we do a little trekking, but I love it. I love it. No excuses. Amazing. Well, continue to um, be the shift disturber that you are. I, I love I love the work that you're doing. Um, and for all of you listeners out there, who needs to hear this message today? Please share this with them and write a comment like, what are the things that really stood out for you that Linda was saying? And if you haven't yet, hit subscribe because you know, every so often I bring on amazing women like Linda to share their success, share their expertise, and get real with the hardships along the journey to where they are today. So thank you again, Linda. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. And until next time, everyone, stay dynamic. Bye. Thank you, Dynamic Women, for joining us today. Please hop on over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a review. Who do you know who needs to hear our message? We'd love it if you'd share our channel with your friends and family. If you're ready to be more dynamic, have more balance and more success, head over to www.dynamicwomenclub.com forward slash free gift for your key to success book. Stay dynamic.